Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get three-pound rolls of juicy 80% lean ground beef for $3.49 a pound with a digital coupon. Then get select varieties of flavorful Powerade, Body Armor Super Drink, or Arizona Tea for 77 cents each, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Welcome to In Search Of. We're your host, Ashton and Sam. We're two accountants who binge podcasts by day and TV by night. Keep listening to find what you've been in search of. Hey, Sam. Hey, Ashton. We have another original episode, and the topic today is cannibalism. I don't know how we got here, but we did in our stories. I'm, yeah, I think you texted me. We were talking about ideas, and you uh-huh. were like, the other day, I read this crazy story <laughs> about this Japanese guy. Oh, gosh. eight people. Yeah, so somehow we've gone down the path of bringing you some stories that we haven't heard on a podcast um, about cannibalism, which speaking of podcasts, I've, I know we have a handful of podcasts that we're going to like do stories on, but currently right now in this period of my life, I'm really struggling with like finding good podcasts to listen to. I don't know if you feel that way. But yeah, I have not been hooked on like a single mm. story podcast. No. I've been listening to like old armchair expert. And I know you said you've been listening to Conan. Yeah, Conan's kind of my like go to if I don't. But like there's nothing. I've tried a few series and I can't get into anything. Um, I feel like I've never gone through this long of like a dry patch in my life of like podcasts. So mm-hmm. I tried listening to like Who Killed Daphne? definitely that's that's something there's like a couple on that have been like on the top charts but I just have not been able to to get into them I've been really watching Gilmore Girls is kind of what I do in my my spare time and I've been watching Love Island (laughs) yeah you can tell I need some (laughs) we need some uh, like we, (laughs) we need some uh some good content but hopefully we can we'll fill the void with good content okay guys well yeah um, we will be that missing <laughs> yeah we'll be we, what even you guys though we need that to make our yeah exactly it's exactly. a vicious circle it is it is but anyways we'll get back on track here so yeah so we've got cannibalism um do you want to go first or do you want sure. me to go first? yes and you go first i i looked into that story that you told me about that japanese guy and mm-hmm. um it was just so gross. I was like, I don't think I can repeat this. But if you listeners are interested, if you just search like Japanese cannibalists. I think he's like one of the b- biggest well-known. Like, Yeah. And like he is like out walking around today. Yeah, free. And like says that he's looking for his next women he's he likes to eat women which i don't maybe we need to read more or maybe i need to read more in that how like he's out and about and not in it was like something about like where he was uh, like when he did the crimes and then yeah and like but where he is now yeah okay okay. like extradite him or whatever dang um but yeah okay 
All right. Well, I'm excited to hear your not yeah. as graphic. So mine is like a little more tame. There's cannibalism <laughs> in it, but it's really a great story. Um, it So it is the story of the 1972 Andes plane crash and the survivors. So we talked about this too, but Yellow Jackets – which we like raved about. Yeah, we love show. If you have not watched it, you need to. Mm -hmm. Um, It like kind of drew some inspiration from this story and the related film um, called Alive that was about this crash. And there's, who was in it that was Ethan Hawke? Okay. Was in it. So is Yellow Jackets inspired by this at all or? Yes. Okay. Okay. A little okay. bit. Okay. Um, and I think there's a, there's a book on this story. So there's been a lot of press, but anyway, um, this starts in 1972 on October 12th, an amateur rugby team who was in their late teens and early twenties was flying from Montevideo, Uruguay to Santiago, Chile to play an exhibition. There were five crew members and 40 passengers aboard the plane. The trip was planned to take two days. They had an overnight stop in Argentina and were going to arrive in Chile on October 13th. So on the 13th, they were in the second leg of their trip and the plane had reached the Andes Mountains and started to hit some turbulence and it kept dropping and dropping and all of a sudden it was about 10 to 20 feet from the face of the Andes Mountains. Um, One of the passengers, Panchito Abal, asked his friend Nando Parado, is it normal to fly so close? Parado said, I don't think so. And then all of a sudden everything went black as the plane hit the mountain. So um, immediately three passengers and two crew members in the tail section of the plane were killed as it broke apart. A few seconds later, two others fell out of the rear fuselage. Um, At least four others died from the impact of the fuselage hitting the snowbank of the mountain, which ripped the remaining seats and their anchors and hurled them towards the front of the plane. So at this point, 33 of the 45 remained alive, although many of the 33 were seriously or critically injured. Um, Roberto Canessa and Gustavo Zerbino were both first year medical students, um, on the flight and they were, they had survived initially. So they, um, acted quickly to assess, um, other people's wounds and treat those that they could help the most. Nando Parado had a skull fracture and remained in a coma for three days after the crash. So meanwhile, the Chilean Air Search and Rescue Service um, had been notified of the crash within an hour, and there had been search efforts by up to 12 aircraft in the next few days, but because the plane wreckage was white and they were in the snow of the Andes Mountains, it was like totally camouflaged to planes that were flying over just trying to spot it. And because the environment of the Andes was like so brutal, really, um, it led people to believe that there were no survivors. So the search was called off after eight days. 
Um, after the first night, five more people died and the rest were trying to figure out like how to get water, food. They were trying to um, fashion sunglasses to prevent snow blindness and create some shelter. Nando Parado awoke from his coma um, and he learned that his mother and sister who he was traveling with had died. Um, the group found a radio and Roy Harley created an antenna, got it working, and they heard on the radio that the search was called off. Um, Gustavo Nikolic said, hey, boys, there's some good news. We just heard on the radio. They've called off the search. Carlitos Perez said, why the hell is that good news? And Nikolic replied, because it means we're going to get out of here on our own. So the rations dwindled and Nando um, spoke about, like he talked about there was like a chocolate covered peanut or something. And he said for like one whole day, he just like held it in his mouth. And then for like the second day, he started to eat the chocolate off of it. And the third day he ate the nut like slowly, like piece by piece. Um, and then like after that, there was like literally no more food. So the, um, with basically like zero food left, they faced the decision of eating their friends and family who had died. Um, Roberto Canessa described it when he said, our common goal was to survive, but what we lacked was food. We had long since run out of the meager pickings we'd found on the plane, and there was no vegetation or animal life to be found. After just a few days, we were feeling the sensation of our own bodies consuming themselves just to remain alive. Before long, we would become too weak to recover from starvation. We knew the answer, but it was too terrible to contemplate. The bodies of our friends and teammates preserved outside in the snow and ice contained vital life-giving protein that could help us survive. But could we do it? For a long time, we agonized. I went out in the snow and prayed to God for guidance. Without his consent, I felt I would be violating the memory of my friends and that I'd be stealing their souls. We wondered whether we were going mad to even contemplate such a thing. Had we turned into brute savages or was this the only sane thing to do? Truly, we were pushing the limits of our fear. And Nando Parado also talked about it and said, at high altitude, the body's caloric needs are astronomical. We were starving in earnest with no hope of finding food, but our hunger soon grew so voracious that we searched anyway. Again and again, we scoured the fuselage in search of crumbs and morsels. We tried to eat strips of leather torn from pieces of luggage that we knew that the chemicals they'd been treated with would do us more harm than good. We ripped open seat cushions, hoping to find straw, but found only inedible upholstery foam. Again and again, I came to the same conclusion unless we wanted to eat the clothes we were wearing there was nothing here but aluminum plastic ice and rock um so Prado kept the corpses of his sister and mother um he protected them kept them from being eaten and um they ended up drying the other's meat in the sun which made it more pal palatable um they were initially so revolted by the experience that they could only eat the skin muscle and fat but when the supply of flesh diminished they also ended up eating the heart lungs and even brains um so 17 days after the crash there was another tragedy an avalanche struck the fuselage that the group was using as shelter as they slept which killed eight more while they were sleeping and buried the remainder which forced them to then eat the raw flesh of their newly dead friends so before it was like 
all cooked. And so at this point, I mean, they had they had no way to cook it. So um, they had to eat it raw. Um, eventually, so like, this is like the other hemisphere. So it's like, this is now like November, December, but it's actually like their summer. So summer arrived and started melting the snow. And so they formed an expedition group that was planning to leave to seek help. And they tried to go east and ended up finding like more wreckage that had some supplies, but they couldn't get any further. So they just turned around and brought the supplies back to the original site. Um, three more died in November. And th at this point, they knew they needed to cross the mountains to the west to survive. Um, but the so the whole reason that the plane crashed was the pilot like misjudged basically where they were. So they thought that where they crashed, like they were close to like this certain part of the mountain that they could like cross over and hopefully find some sort of camp. But I mean, obviously because they were in the wrong place, that wasn't the case. So, um, Three of the men, Parado, Canessa, and Vizentine, began climbing the glacier to the west on December 12th. Over 10 days, they summited the mountain, which was like 15,000 feet, and Vizentine eventually turned back because they had run out of supplies. They began seeing signs of life on the ninth day, um, and on December 20th, they um, saw men in the distance across from a river. So they shouted to them, they were on horseback and the men called back to them and just said tomorrow. So Parado and Canessa waited there. And the next day the man did come back. He like scribbled a note, attached it to a pencil and a rock with some string and threw it across the river. And um, Parado replied in a note, like wrote, um, I come from a plane that fell in the mountains. I'm Uruguayan. We have been walking for 10 days. I have a wounded friend up there. In the plane, there are still 14 injured people. We have to get out from here quickly and we don't know how. We don't have any food. We are weak. When are you going to come fetch us? Please, we cannot even walk. Where are we? So um, the man who wrote the note, his name was Sergio, and he had remembered hearing about a plane crash. And so he brought Parado and Canessa back with him on horseback, and he went to the army in Santiago, Chile. And um, helicopters were flown in to rescue the 16 survivors that were left. Um, the rescue took place over two days, and on December 23rd, the last of survivors were rescued. So the group got home and they were originally going to tell their families in private about the cannibalism, but rumors were mounting and um, like the news broke the story. So they ended up giving a press conference on their decision. So um, they were like, not, not shamed, but you know, it became like a big thing of like, oh my God, they ate their cannibals. And you know, that was not how they wanted that to come out or I don't know. Yeah. I, I mean, they didn't choose to for any right, of that. Yeah. Right. So, um, but yes, there was the 1993 movie was called alive and I used, um, a history.com article, Britannica article and Wikipedia. Yeah. That, I mean, that's, it's so crazy how that, um, it's so similar to yellow jackets, but 
so how how long were they um like stranded for it was so from october 13th through december 23rd so it was like two months and wow 70 days wow i mean still no matter how i know like in the andes mountains and in like the 70s it's wow that's crazy i mean that I feel like you could never shame somebody for having to resort to something like that, you know, to survive. Yeah. yeah it's like, yeah. okay, wh- how do you, like, how do you judge what people did to survive? To survive. Yeah. yeah. And now a word from our sponsors. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouthwatering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage, Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. Okay, so my story is not uh, as um, like gracious as yours, where they did it for survival. This was like a pure evilness. So um, I'm going to just take a dark turn real quick. So my story is about a woman named Catherine Knight. And I'm going to give you like a little background on her childhood. Uh, and then we'll go into the like next phase of her life. So she is from Australia. She was born in 1955. Um, like the very typical like upbringing was um, very, dis- her, her upbringing and her family life was very dysfunctional. Her mom had been married to a man named, um, well, her mom's name was Barbara Rohan and her, and she was married to a name, a man named Jack Rowan, I guess is how you pronounce that. And they had four boys together. And then her mom had an affair on her husband with one of her coworkers, Ken Knight, and got pregnant with twin girls. And so Catherine was one of those twins. Catherine's mom and Jack divorced and Catherine moved in with Ken and like none of her boys went with her and, um, Ken and Barbara then ultimately had like four kids together, but it was not a happy marriage. Uh, Ken was a raging alcoholic and he would rape Barbara several times a day. And I was reading, um, in one of the articles and it was saying that like Barbara would share these intimate details with her daughters, which is just like, yeah, uh, it's just not good all around. It was also mentioned that Catherine was sexually assaulted by family members until she was 11, but it was noted that like, 
it was not done by her father. It was someone else. Um, at school, Catherine was a bully. Uh, she left school at 15, not knowing how to read or write. Uh, after leaving high school, she got her dream job at a slaughterhouse. Oh, wow. I don't think I ever knew anyone who was like, when I grow up, I'm going to be a slaughterer. (laughs) Yeah. So she was very excited about this. Uh, It was said that she hung her butcher knives over her bed just in case she ever needed them. Oh, my God. What if it fell on you while you were sleeping? (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Um, So, yeah. So very strange uh, life and where she ended up. So. Uh, The next kind of part of the story is her relationships. So she was in her first serious relationship was with a man named David Kellett. He was also an alcoholic like her father. They got married in 1974. Um, Supposedly the night they had they got married, they had intercourse three separate times and Catherine wanted to go for a fourth time. And when David would not, she strangled him and Dave. But David was able to fight her off. So like girl was ready and (laughs) willing to strangle her new husband for a a fourth go around. Yeah. So, uh, but they ended up staying together for 10 years and had two children together. Um, it was not a great marriage, obviously, because the first night of their marriage did not go off on the wrong foot. (laughs) Yeah. Um, they fought a lot and oftentimes I got physical, During one of their fights, Catherine burned all of David's clothes and hit him in the head with a frying pan. He ended up with a severely fractured skull. Wait, that was someone at Inflamo's weapon of choice. Someone (laughs) said a cast iron skillet. (laughs) Yeah, uh, Catherine liked these. She used them multiple times. Okay. Um, Another time, David had left Catherine as he was obviously tired of dealing with the abuse And the following day, Catherine was seen pushing her newborn down the middle of the street in a stroller from side to side. Uh, After this, like she was admitted to the hospital for postpartum depression. She um, then, after like staying in the hospital for a couple of days, was released and then placed the same baby on the train tracks right before a train was supposed to pass. And luckily someone saw this and grabbed the baby. So like very unstable. She also stole an axe and went into town and like threatened to kill people. This was all like kind of around the same time. Um, she was arrested, obviously, and then taken back to the hospital and left the next day, like got like checked herself out. So, yeah, there was some red flags, but um, nothing that, yeah, you know, it's I don't know. They just she left and that's that's all that I guess they could do. Um, so apparently while she was staying in the hospital, she told nurses that she had wanted to kill a mechanic who had fixed David's car because it made it possible for him to leave her. (laughs) (laughs) Um, so even after all of this, David and Catherine got back together and they had one more kid. So eventually Catherine would leave David and started dating another man named David Saunders. Their relationship moved pretty fast. And within months of dating, David moved in with Catherine and her two girls, which I guess maybe it's, there was three kids total. So maybe it was three girls, whatever. Um, David still kept his place though. And this made Catherine extremely jealous and paranoid when he wouldn't stay with her. And so the relationship turned toxic fast. And during one of their fights, Catherine slit the throat of 
David's two month old puppy right in front of him. No. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, terrible. And she like basically just like showing him that like what she was capable of, like how crazy she was. She also hit him with a frying pan like she had done previously and knocked him out. Catherine and David had a daughter together as well, but David left soon after she was born because during an argument, she hit him in the face with an iron and then stabbed him with scissors. And so he was like, I'm done. Which is amazing to me that the kids were able to stay with her, but it was a different time then. So after David left, Catherine met a man named John Chillingworth. There was no violent incidents ever reported during their relationship. They did have one son together, um, but the relationship ended because Catherine began an affair with a man named John Charles Thomas Price. So John had two children from a previous marriage, and it was said that they seemed to like Catherine. Um, Catherine and John moved in together and things seemed fine at first. Um, although they would ultimately turn violent because she wanted to get married and he said no. So Catherine at one point framed him for stealing stuff from his work and he, uh, got fired and, um, he like kicked her out for doing this. Um, however, they like reconciled and got back together. And then, um, another time they got in an argument and she tried to stab him in the chest. And so he was like, okay, like we're done. Like you're not moving back in. Like we're, this is, you know, he, he was like, okay, you're crazy. So she, he took out a restraining order against her. Because he was worried for his children and his safety, obviously. And he told people at work that if he ever went missing, it was Catherine's fault. So not long after, like this was all kind of happening during February of 2000, like them fighting, um, him getting fired or like him having the issues at work, um, like the, the argument with the stabbing in the chest, like all of this was, it got violent very fast. It that kind of seemed like her thing. Um, and so on February 29th, so at the end of the month, John one day had returned home from work and, um, Catherine, which it's hard to get the like exact details of how this night went, but apparently Catherine had sent his kids to a sleepover, And so when John came home, he was alone, which I guess this didn't like alarm him or anything. He went to his neighbor's house to hang out and returned home at 11 p.m. Well, later that night, Catherine showed up to John's house. Uh, She woke up John and they had sex. And like, I put a question mark because I'm like, I don't understand the all the violent stuff that can happen. And then she just like comes in and they are fine. I don't know. Um, so they have sex and then he goes back to sleep. Well, after he went to sleep, Catherine stabbed him with one of her butcher knives 37 times. He woke up during the attack, but was unable to fight her off. Then Catherine skinned him, hung his body from a meat hook, decapitated him and chopped him up into pieces. And like this was all going down, like in his living room. She took the chopped up pieces and like cooked them with 
potato, pumpkin, beets, zucchini, cabbage, squash, and gravy. Oh, she's really adding some flavor. <laughs> yeah. She made three plates, one for herself and two for his children. Mm. She had placed like names in front of each of their plates. Mm. Like, yeah. Luckily, I don't think they ever like came encounter because they were at the friend's like friend's house. Um, it appears she had tried to eat some of the food, but was like unable to like finish it. Like they could tell like someone had tried. So after all of this, she took some like a large number of pills and passed out next to his body. So the next morning when John didn't show for work, they called the police because obviously they like he had said that very obvious statement. Mm -hmm. Um, And so the police arrived at his house and woke Catherine up and she claimed she had no memory of what happened. Uh, Police found John's head boiling in a pot of water. Yeah. She obviously like they clearly knew she was guilty um, and she was sentenced to life in prison and her papers were marked like never to be released. And she was the first woman in Australia given a life sentence without parole. And like still to this day, she claims she's innocent and like won't accept (laughs) responsibility (laughs) for it. (laughs) Okay. So um, my article I got Wikipedia and then an article and all that's interesting article. The title is how Catherine Knight slaughtered her boyfriend and made him into stew. And, <laughs> and that was written by Katie Serena. So yeah, I that read this nuts from start to finish. <laughs> it's insane. I mean, I literally, when I was reading it, I was like, how is this one like real? How right. is this even possible? How did this, I don't know. It's just so sad for poor John and his poor kids and that she was able to like get away with so much for so long. Mm But I, I mean, it was the seventies or, I mean, well, she did this stuff from like the seventies to the two thousands. So I don't know. I mean, it was different times, but still I'm like, come on. Wasn't there anyone who ever, and her poor kids. I'm like, what did her kid? She had lots of kids. She basically had like a kid with every yeah i mean almost so yeah she i think everybody but john but um yeah terrible so yeah Um, that's that's the story of Catherine knight um if you like look up you know like cannibals or whatever you know jeffrey dahmer comes up Mm -hmm. a lot and he Mm -hmm. was in milwaukee and he's the one that my dad lived next to oh yeah i remember you telling me this did he ever like talk to him i don't think so but i'll have to ask him Hmm. interesting Mm -hmm. yeah i um this was like i remember reading this and like getting a little grossed out and having to like take multiple breaks because it was yeah, and then you had dreams about. Yes, I was having like bad mm-hmm. dreams about. Yeah, this story messed me up. So sorry if I read you whenever this comes out. If you're listening to this and then have bad watch dreams. an episode of Gilmore Girls. Yeah, that it offsets it. That's what I do. I just mm-hmm. read some dark stuff and then offset it with Gilmore Girls. But, but yeah, so that is um, cannibalism, and hopefully you don't have nightmares. And that's it. That's all mm-hmm. I got. So, okay. Bye, Sam. Bye, Ashton.
Thanks for listening to In Search Of. Don't forget to review, subscribe, and follow our podcast to stay up to date on the latest episodes. If you want more information on In Search Of, you can follow us on Instagram and Facebook. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get three-pound rolls of juicy 80% lean ground beef for $3.49 a pound with a digital coupon. Then get select varieties of flavorful Powerade, Body Armor Super Drink, or Arizona Tea for 77 cents each, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today, or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.